This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing leg day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and, best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Hi, Fred. My name is Josh Shell, host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, the only podcast where the host is followed by the IT director for the Federal Judicial Commissioner of Canada. That's not even a joke, and I am very afraid that they are out to get me. Uh, so I've decided to do another Canadian cult, just to poke the bear a little bit. But before we get to that, let me introduce to you my awesome guest this episode. She is the host of the incredibly riveting podcast, Malice. Malice is a true crime podcast that dives into the mind of violent offenders and asks what factors in their lives cause this person to become so evil. Please give a warm welcome to the wonderful Ariel Cooksey. Ariel, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. That's good to hear. So on today, the day that we record, it's Inauguration Day in America. Mm -hmm. And I think I speak for most of the world when I say, thank God. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was not prepared for season two of The Apprentice, the White House edition. <laughs> Speaking of cults. <laughs> <laughs> I might do an episode on that one day. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I have to ask Ariel, though, speaking of episodes, uh, I know he isn't a violent offender, but when is the, the Malice episode of Trump coming out? That's an interesting thought. I don't always do violent offenders, um, at least not in the physical sense. But uh, there's definitely something to be said for ideological violence. So it's entirely possible I might cover him at some point. That's kind of all I study here is actually ideology, <laughs> ideologicals. <laughs> so, well, Jim Jones had his thing. That's true. And this guy has his things. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll jump in and introduce the episode. The 1970s were a time of searching and exploration around the world. Following decades of war and unrest, young people yearned for happiness, for meaning, and for peace. They wanted to be enlightened, spiritually awakened. They craved to be part of something bigger and much more meaningful than the regular 9-to-5 grind. This desire was the perfect foundation for cults. 
flower children devoted themselves to people like Charles Manson and James Jones, who made promises of something bigger and better to come if they only devoted their lives to serving them. When one man, Rock Teralt, found that his charm had a certain power over people, that on words alone he could draw audiences in and leave them begging for more, he saw an opportunity to start his own cult, the Ant Hill Kids. Now, Ariel, you actually brought this cult to my attention. This is a this is a first for me, like having the guests bring the cult. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've clearly heard about Rock and the Ant Hill Kids. What mm-hmm. what intrigued you most about this cult, and why did you want me to do an episode on it? This is something that um, you know, so many cult leaders really carry out more ideological violence and. In this case, you know, you do have that charismatic leader and you do have those types of things that we find commonly in cults, but he also has um, a physical component of violence. Very much so. And, you know, watching how people can not only be that way themselves, but can make others do those things, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, a really, I guess, prominent example would be like uh, Charles Manson and the family. Right. right. You know, and Manson, of course, went to prison for, I mean, until death, but he at least, okay, it drives me nuts when people say he never killed anybody. He did. Okay. <laughs> Story for another day. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he didn't take part in the murders of Sharon Tate and her house guests, nor the LaBiancas. Mm-hmm. His followers were responsible for that, um, except that because of the cult situation, they looked at it as him being responsible for their actions. So. Right. It's like a it's like a parent being responsible for their children, basically. It's that same kind of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And just I, this one is just so unusual, I guess. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, speaking of uh, violence, before we jump into this episode, I have to give Fred a warning. This is legitimately the worst person (laughs) the world has ever conceived of. So there are like some truly terrible acts of violence mentioned throughout the story. I'll put up warnings and timestamps so you can skip the worst stuff, but just to warn my audience, it does get dark. Ariel, I'm I'm sorry you have to stick through all all of it. So (laughs) (laughs) you cannot mute me. It's fine. It's fine. So without further ado, let's jump into the story. Brock Teralt was born in Quebec in 1947 the second of seven children. As an adult, he told his followers that his childhood was one of extreme violence and cruelty. His parents, he claimed, were cruel to him. His father had punched him in the stomach and on one occasion pushed him downstairs so hard that he developed stomach ulcers when he was only about nine years old. In a letter to the sister of one of his followers, Teralt confided that, quote, I am from a family which I was mistreated and beaten worse than a dog, from age two until 14, when my father, having beaten me, threw me out of the house and told me never to set foot in it again, unquote. So, Ariel, I mean, this type of abuse sounds like something mm-hmm. that would cause someone like a cult leader, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right, absolutely. The only problem is that these horrifying allegations of abuse were all made up. Now, it's hard to prove that they were all made up, obviously, because abuse is hard to prove sometimes, especially... Mm-hmm years later, but Teralt's six siblings speak of a relatively normal childhood, mm-hmm. and Teralt's father told the courts that, quote, I never beat that boy, unquote. But I mean, what else is he going to say? Like, of course I beat him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's obviously not going to say that. <laughs> but 
It seems that the worst the young boy was forced to endure was going door to door with pamphlets for his church to speak the word of the Lord. And for that, he was teased at school. But like I said, his his siblings all agree that it was pretty normal childhood. They weren't Mm -hmm. abused. That doesn't prove anything necessarily, but it's a good sign that he might have just made it up. Right. (laughs) The boy's local school only went to seventh grade. And rather than make the long journey to the neighboring towns to finish his education, he went to work at the age of 14, performing odd jobs around town. And Ariel, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it common for people with violent tendencies to be less educated or is that kind of a myth? It's kind of a myth, actually. It depends on the type of offender. Um, You know, in some cases you have somebody who has low impulse control, so they are going to be less likely to stick it out in formal education. And then there are people, for instance, like Ted Bundy, who was, you know, he went to law school. Right. So, um, you know, and, and honestly, it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence level either. So it's kind of interesting. People think of, of these people, including cult leaders as being like evil geniuses. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of times they're not. No, a lot like, yeah, they're just kind of regular people (laughs) for the most part anyway Mm -hmm. that are just charismatic (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. in 1967 when Terrell turned 20 he married a neighbor girl and the two moved to Montreal to start a family first mistake moving to Montreal come on (laughs) 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 I'm sorry Montreal (laughs) I love you (laughs) things were relatively normal for the young family at first they had two children and Terrell found work as a chimney inspector to provide for them But in 1971, Terrault started developing stomach ulcers, and a doctor recommended that he undergo surgery. The surgery left him with a chronic stomach ache that he would experience for the years to come. He self-medicated with alcohol and soon lost his job due to drunkenness. Mm. So, always a good recipe. (laughs) Yeah, that's not great. No, and it gets a little worse here. So he, (laughs) he decided to start his own business, which, I mean, good for him. You know, he takes that initiative to start the own business and, uh, start selling woodwork sculptures around town. Right. However, he used his job as an excuse to spend entire weekends in Quebec City where he would cheat on his wife. Um, so not great. <laughs> yeah. I don't think of people who are cult leaders as being particularly scrupulous. Yeah, they, they like to sleep around a lot. <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> it is kind of a common factor, isn't it? <laughs> it is very common. Well, I mean... That's the power thing, right? They they have mm. the power over these women, or usually women. Uh, right. Yeah, it, it, it's that power thing, I think. This is from zero experience and zero knowledge, but <laughs> we'll go with that. His woodworking business soon failed, and his wife left him, taking the kids. I think we all saw that coming. So mm-hmm. soon he was bankrupt, unemployed, single, and alcoholic. Uh, down on his luck, man... Sounds like a dreamboat to me. <laughs> well, obviously he was because he moved in with one of the women he'd been sleeping with, Giselle. So she thought he was something. I don't know what. but <laughs> You know, maybe he had that going for him. He had a nice beard. We'll go with that. <laughs> nice beard and good in the sack. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Shortly after moving in with Giselle, Theralt discovered the Seventh-day Adventist church which is a rather fundamentalist sect of Christianity. Mm-hmm. He began attending church meetings and soon became obsessed with the teachings of the Old Testament, particularly its use of violence and punishment against sin. Mm-hmm. So he made up the story about violence with his father, 
now he's very intrigued with the the violence in the Old Testament as punishment, right. specifically punishment. Mm-hmm. There was something else, though, Terrell took interest in at the church, and that is the idea of the second coming of Christ, in which the world would end. That doomsday scenario that almost all cults seem to have mm-hmm. is starting to form in the back of his mind, I think. Right. He believed that this day would be soon and that he needed to prepare for it to prove his devotion to the church and to save himself from God's wrath at the end of the world. So Tyrault quit drinking and vowed to live a life of total purity. And that's the end. End of story. Nothing else happened. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job telling that. Thanks. That was, that was great to have you on. Uh, please Thanks. tell us about <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Soon Theolt was selling Adventist literature door to door, and he proved to be a natural having spent so much of his childhood doing the same, obviously going around giving out pamphlets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the church recognized his great talents for selling the literature and asked him to lead a workshop on quitting smoking for a small group of new potential followers. And as you could probably imagine, this is where things start to go downhill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Giving him that little bit of, hey, you're in charge of these 10 people or so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So in... In 1977, his group consisted of 10 followers, mostly young women in their late teens and early 20s, who loved listening to Tyrell's passionate speeches. The group began seeing each other more frequently and soon were spending entire weekends at Giselle's small apartment. He soon convinced all the members who were in college to drop out, explaining that when the world ended, their degrees would be useless. I don't know, I'm checking the time. It's 2021. (laughs) I don't know if their (laughs) degrees would have been useless from now. (laughs) And as Tyrault watched follower after follower drop out of school just because he told them to, he began to realize how much power he had over them. And if this story isn't an excellent PSA to stay in school, I don't know what is, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) So whether he truly believed himself to be a man of God or simply used religion as a tool to gain total control, it's not entirely clear. Regardless, though, Tyrault would soon become addicted to this new power he possessed over his followers and used it to gain complete control over their lives. Dun, dun, dun. So initial thoughts of Rock? Yeah, he's, we see a lot of these tropes in, in cults. I mean, so far, he's not diverging very far from what we know of other cult leaders. I don't know, kind of, kind of sounds like a dick though. (laughs) Yeah, cheated on his (laughs) wife while he had a kid. Not the nicest thing to do. No. And then just convincing people to give up their schooling. Right. I mean... There are worse things to do. If he has good reasons to give up school, maybe. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, we we have all of these ideas. We were talking a little bit earlier about what we see in cults and um, the commonalities. But one of the things that I find is really interesting is the less educated, the better for the leaders because they're then able to control the knowledge flow. Right. Right. So they have hegemonic capital over the people that, that they're indoctrinating. Right. And that's why they go young usually too, right? They get them before they have that life knowledge and the, mm-hmm. those that education so that they can indoctrinate them into their own teachings exactly. and stuff. And it's, you know, it, something that I find a little frustrating is that when you look at cult members, people so often think that they are people who are ignorant or unintelligent or, you know, just natural followers. And uh, that's not the case. You know, Uh, in fact, the vast majority of people who join cults are 
uh, highly intelligent and often well-educated and come from religious backgrounds and were dis, dis, uh, enchanted by that. And so there's this hole that they're trying to fill and they find somebody who has a slogan that doesn't really mean anything, but mm-hmm. insisting that they have all the answers. You know, it's something kind of like, um, what's a good example? Make Donald America Trump. Great Again. <laughs> well, we're on the exact same page. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, if we if you step back and you look at it, what does that even mean? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, you're American. I'm not, personally, but when was America great? Please tell me. No, I, I would love clarification on that, too. <laughs> I guess for for myself as a white male, it would have been great, maybe. No, back pretty much in, all along. Well, yeah, every time. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's still great for us. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was but, thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, you know, kind of dog whistle politics. Well, I mean, <laughs> it worked, I guess, kind of. It's blown up in his face. His cult's kind of hopefully yeah. careening to an end. It but, It was uh, effective, at least. He got people who would follow him. Like I said, I'll do an episode. Maybe I'll have you on for that episode. It could nice. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already marking my calendar. <laughs> Let's jump into what Rock's up to with his following. Mm-hmm. In 1977, he and his followers left for a retreat on Lake Rosso. There they met Gabriel Lavia. I'm sorry about these names. I apologize, French people. I am going to mess this up. <laughs> Gabriel Lavillé and... Yolande Inbert. How, how are they spelled? I speak French. <laughs> a lot of a lot of hats and accents. <laughs> <laughs> I took okay. French in trail grade nine and I am doing terribly right now. My, <laughs> I'm sorry, Madame Linden. I'm <laughs> failing you. <laughs> so these two were immediately drawn to Theralt and decided to join his group of followers. And just a side note here, Lake Rosso, actually, this is a personal thing for me. I've, I've, I've been to this lake many times, as I was telling you before we started mm-hmm. recording. And uh, this is actually very close to where I grew up. So the whole story doesn't take place here, but the initial part of the story does. And that's uh, kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never go back there looking at it the same. During this retreat, Theralt went on a hike by himself, where he claimed to have been sent a vision from God. He was looking over the ridge when all at once the sky opened and a white light appeared. Then he heard God's voice. He told him that Theralt was standing on holy ground. I've been to Lake Rosso. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd call it holy ground, but a lot of cocaine in it. (laughs) 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 Theralt took this vision as a sign from God that he was meant to lead and spread his gospel and that he couldn't do this adequately in the city. He needed to take his followers to the holy wilderness permanently. After this vision, Theralt's followers were convinced that this man was a vessel of God. They decided to devote their lives to following him. They hopped in their van and drove into the wilderness together, where they all agreed to spend their lives as a united family. Which is wild, because if I'm late to work, I have a hard time convincing my boss. I have a good reason. (laughs) And this piece of garbage just convinces dozens of people to give up their lives and move to the middle of nowhere with them. Like, Must be nice. I don't know. I'd drop out of school for that ability. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine having that level of, of... sway yeah neither can i i don't know i mean you kind of do you have a podcast (laughs) well thanks similar (laughs) it's used for good though your your charisma is used for good (laughs) just one day you snap and then you're like we gotta go in the wilderness guys and you just all your followers convince them to go to the middle of utah or some shit compound (laughs) 
<laughs> just Disneyland. You, you guys take oh, yeah. it over. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That'd be pretty sick, actually. Yeah, you want to be a part of my cult, right? Yeah, I yeah. do, actually. I'll convince my followers <laughs> to come to Disneyland. <laughs> right. We get Universal Studios. That's <laughs> Anyway, they set up camp outside of St. Marie, 65 kilometers south of Quebec City. There they opened up the Healthy Living Clinic, which sold Adventist literature and organic mm-hmm. foods as an alternative to medicine. The clinic was such a success that frequent customers began volunteering their time and money to keep it in business. One patron, Leo Marc Fauchier, sold everything he had to his name and donated all the money to the clinic. Then he, his wife, and his child moved in with the rest of the family. Another married couple, Jacques Guigier and Maurice Gernier, also joined the group. Maurice sounds weird. Is that a girl's name? Marie? M- Marie, maybe. It's M-A-R-Y-S-E. M-A-R-Y-S-E? Yeah. If anyone knows how to pronounce that, please tweet at me. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. She's the smartest one, in, or not the smartest, I guess. That's maybe not the right word to say. She's the, uh, got the most level head on her shoulders. She doesn't, she's not hmm. spellbound by Thralt as the other women and, and is mostly there just for her husband specifically because he wants to be in this cult. Or, well, it's a right. group right now. It's a, it's an Adventist group right now, so... Once Thoralt had a relatively sizable following, he decided it was time to establish uniforms in order to <laughs> for the group to establish. To- <laughs> <laughs> that part kills me. <laughs> yeah, in order for the group to be truly united as one, he had the women wear green tunics and the men wear beige tunics. Thoralt himself wore a stately brown robe. <laughs> so he's literally going through the checklist of what it takes to be a cult. A religious leader down on his luck? Check. Multiple devout followers, check. Vision quest from God, check. Uniforms, <laughs> check. Uniforms, so it's like, I just, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It just, uh, that just cracks me up. Like they're, they're like, they need their suspenders with flair on them. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't, I also, I, why did he choose the color? Like green for women and beige for men. Usually um, it's, it's, usually it's just one. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just one uniform. Like it's like everyone right. wears this white uniform or something like that right i think of uh like rajneesh right the Mm -hmm. um from wild wild country the uh documentary and everybody just wore like bright red and orange and stuff like well even even heaven's gate they wore just plain white robes basically and there was no distinction yeah and i would think that that was purposeful but uh, i don't know and what fun colors too <laughs> beige, beige and, then and green. he's like i'm gonna take brown before anyone claims it <laughs> seriously they're very neutral i guess they're earthly colors maybe that's what he's going for oh well, maybe yeah his weird and twisted mind i'm trying to get in there and i don't want to be <laughs> <laughs> yeah <No>. basically <laughs> as more and more women became devout to throughout giselle became worried that he would cheat on her with them which is a pretty good Assumption since he cheated on his last wife with you. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to prevent this from happening, she asked him to marry her because that would, because the ring is like a, yeah, it's like a chastity belt, right? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it, it creates an aura around you. People can't even penetrate. Whoops, wrong word. Um, (laughs) look, listen. (laughs) You've been listening to the dumbfound dead guys. That's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey guys <laughs> shout out to them 
So they wed one week later, so they didn't waste any time. She was like, we're getting married now, so you don't cheat on me. (laughs) But Giselle's worries were not relieved. On the ride home from the ceremony, the couple crammed into a van with the rest of the followers, and Theralt spent the whole drive flirting with them while Giselle cried into a mattress in the trunk. Already a great start to a marriage. Wow. (laughs) That's a hell of a honeymoon story. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) How about we invite tons of girls to our honeymoon, honey? I don't know how that would go. Over. <laughs> but honey, we're married. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not involved with them. Yeah, I wouldn't cheat on you with the, these <laughs> these 20-year-old women. It's literally <laughs> impossible. I'm wearing a ring. Yeah, it prevents that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to have fun before it gets dark because it gets dark very quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sure does. <laughs> and it's our responsibility to keep this lighthearted. Um, that's going to be very right. tough in a few pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. Later that spring, Giselle was pregnant and depressed. Tired of sharing attention with the rest of the followers, she told her husband that if he did not break up the communion, she would leave him with their child. He responded by punching her in the mouth and locking her in her room for two days. Yeah, not great. I, mm-hmm. I, don't, know, I don't know what to say. It's uh, terrible. No, it's just awful. During this time, a devoted patron of the clinic told Theralt that his wife was in a hospital with leukemia. Theralt marched to the hospital himself to rescue her from all the drugs the doctors were doubtlessly pumping into her system. After confronting her doctors for poisoning her, he convinced her husband to discharge her from the hospital and take her to the clinic for treatment of grape juice and organic foods. She died not long after. And I read this and I, th- I thought to myself, oh, this is a good warning for like anti-vaxxers and alternative medicine wackos, but I know if they hear the story, they'll just think, well, if they didn't give her medicine, she would have lived and... That just makes me mm. sad for humanity. So <laughs> that's where we're at right now. Right. Yeah. So yeah, obviously pretty much directly responsible for this lady's death. And in 1978, the health living clinic began to suffer. The women's death was bad press and the Seventh Adventist Church, who had supplied the clinic with his stock, kicked the alt out of the church and cut him off. Mm. The alt decided to throw himself into this communion completely and wanted to make sure that none of his followers left him. And I think this is the worst thing that could happen is when the church kicked him out. Yeah. And if you take nothing else from my podcast, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here because I see this on every cult and like I'm seeing it now today. Don't don't isolate people like do your best not to isolate people. Even when I mentioned like the anti-vaxxers and the, the alternative medicine people like earlier, the worst thing you can do if you have a friend like that is isolate them because mm-hmm. they just dig into their beliefs and and they don't have that connection to the real world like reality basically right and i think that's a big reason why the world is kind of going to shit right now is uh Mm. social media obviously the biggest reason creating those bubbles and stuff but if you have a flat earth friend you know hold on to them um because uh, as soon as you let them go they just that's when they drop off the deep end and uh right that's kind of where we're seeing everything going right now especially with you know everyone kind of locked down and stuff like that, you know, try and right. try and reach out to those friends that are posting weird things on Facebook and maybe you can mm-hmm. reel them back a bit. Sorry. I, I just had to go on that for a little bit, but, uh, and completely on the same page though. I mean, you, people have to feel some level of comfort before they are willing to entertain mm-hmm. other thoughts than those that they have or other, other knowledge yeah. than they have. So, yeah. I mean, like, that's where you learn most of your, like, growing up, especially when you're, your friends are kind of where you learn most of your stuff from. Right. And you kind of just hold on to those social beliefs that you have with your friends. Like, whatever they tell you is, 
maybe true. And like, that's kind of what you got to do. You got to kind of like talk to them. Don't fall into their messaging, but be there for them. And like, when they're ready, maybe they'll come to you and be like, hey, did I fuck up? And you'll be like, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> we can, it's nothing we can't fix, you know, it's. Uh, right. And I mean, we really do need to normalize, you know, that with new information, there's nothing wrong with changing your mind. Absolutely not. I am wrong a lot of the time and <laughs> I'm more than happy to be corrected. So it's, right. it's definitely okay to be wrong. Yeah. It's when you dig into your wrongness and just state, mm-hmm. like, don't even consider the other side. That's when it's, uh, yeah. that's when it gets a little dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, back to the, back to the cult. Throughout started forcing marriage between members as an attempt to create a family. And after the clinic officially closed down, he moved his family even deeper into the wilderness to wait out the end of the world together. In order to convince his followers to come with him, he told them that God had finally given him a date for the apocalypse, February 17th, 1979, and God would spare whoever followed him. Spoiler alert, <laughs> it, it didn't happen. Well, it kind of feels like it's ended. I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't the date, but... <laughs> yeah, kind of undershot the date on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 2012 was pretty close, I'd say. <laughs> The group set off to find the perfect place to live in isolation together. They found a small hill beside a body of water a few miles outside of the village of St. Oh, God. St. Jogues. Jogues? What's the spelling on it? J-O-G-U-E-S. Jogues. Jogues? Okay. We'll go with that. Jogues. Mm. St. Jogues. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Theralt named the hill Eternal Mountain and told his followers to get to work. It was time to set up camp. Camping sounds fun. I, I don't mind camping. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. Who doesn't like a jolly jaunt in the woods? Yeah. For an entire summer, they worked to build a huge cabin to live in together. Theralt himself did not assist in this labor, claiming that his stomach aches prevented him from working. Obviously. I mean, he's a leader. He doesn't have to work. Right. Right. But it's the stomach aches. Yeah. That's why. Not because right. of anything else. He, he could do it if he wanted. Because he can't be arsed? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> The tunics were slowing down the work as the members would trip in them while trying to build. So back to the uniforms. <laughs> so, <laughs> so new uniforms were established. So there you go. <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm just thinking of these people tripping over their fucking ropes. Like, they're in the middle just... of nowhere and they're like, God damn, these uniforms are really slowing us down. <laughs> So a new uniform was established, dark blue wraparound belts, (laughs) so that they wouldn't trip over them. As the labor became increasingly intense, a few members decided to quit, including the man who sold all of his possessions to fund the clinics months earlier. Theralt allowed them to leave, but told the rest of his followers that they had sold their souls to the devil. So he was like, yeah, you guys can leave, and then turned around and was like, those guys are going to hell. And uh, if you leave, you're going to hell as well. So just a little bit of uh, reinforcement of... Hey, don't leave. Right yeah. now it's more ideological. Definitely does not, is not that later on. But no longer a member of the Adventist church, Theralt was drinking again and becoming increasingly violent. He drunkenly preached to his followers about the end of the world. And if anyone fell asleep, he smashed their head with a club. He's starting to get uh, that violent punishment from the Old Testament now. Yeah. Uh, don't fall asleep or I will potentially give you a concussion. Right, right. And I mean, that's another element that we see a lot in cults is 
the whole concept of um, sleep deprivation. Yeah. Because it makes people more malleable. And boy, is that not a deterrent. Yeah. And well, and he's drunk too. So he's just like, let's stay up all night. I'll hit you. (laughs) Such a good dude. Yeah. Such a nice guy. (laughs) After the cabin was finally built, it was time for regular life to begin. Theralt began sleeping with almost all of the women in the, in the cult, and Giselle became quite jealous. Her fears were correct. She tried to run away, but he found her and proceeded to choke her until she agreed to come back and never run away again. Yeah, so punched her, choked her. Definitely uh, not a good thing, and they're in the middle of nowhere, so it's not like she can really go right. anywhere, which sucks. It's, uh, right. Uh, you got to believe that she's uh, probably very, very fearful. Imagine the strength, the courage it would take to try to get away to begin with. Right. Knowing what he's capable of, you know, I mean, and we, we see in, you know, situations of domestic violence, you know, that it's extremely dangerous Mm -hmm. for people when they try to leave those situations. And this guy has minions. Well, that's like, there is domestic violence, which is like, yeah, it's horrible and it's very hard to get away from. But then this is like, multiplied 10 times where you got right. almost like 20 extra eyes on you and they all know that you're trying to get away. So right. it's that extra pressure and, and yeah, definitely not a good situation to be in for her or her mm-hmm. child says so she's got a child now too. Right. Afraid of losing control over his followers, he insisted that they refer to him as Poppy or Moses and changed all of his followers' names to names from the Old Testament. What is it with people calling themselves Moses? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about Moses, but Poppy is a big, like dad or father or something like father, that is usually sure. a big thing. Well, there was, uh, I covered a cult at the beginning of this season of Malice, and he also, the leader also referred to himself as Moses. It's a big thing. And I've talked about this, I think, a couple episodes ago where mm-hmm. the leader would, would change everyone's name and changed his own name. and right. And uh, it's a it's a thing that a lot of cult leaders do, I think, to a stat like to erase a de- identity. You're no longer that yes. person you were. You're now this person. This is who you are. Right. And then they call themselves somewhere, some relation to God of some sort. Right. Where whether it's yeah Moses, uh, Poppy, Father, God themselves was with the Yahweh Ben Yahweh. He was God, Son of God. Yeah. So so it's that thing where they where they force you to call them this all being right. thing that you worship. So it's, and I think it's, it's interesting too. The very first time that I kind of learned about that phenomenon was in rescuing dogs. Oh. Like they encourage you to rename a dog. Very interesting. In a rescue situation, uh, because they do need you to break from that former situation in order to acclimate you to your new pack. Right. And so, you know, I I was learning about that. And then there was a lot of crossover with, once again, the family, Manson's group. Right. And so we have, you know, all these people who have famous names like uh, Tex Watson, which interestingly, being that he was, you know, one of the few men in the group. Right. His first name was also Charles. Oh. And uh, yeah, so good old Chuck Manson couldn't handle another person <laughs> called Charles. I so. can, yeah, I can't imagine that would go over well. <laughs> yeah. Which is how he got the name Tex. Yeah, very interesting. I did yeah. not know about the dog thing. That's uh, very cool because I've actually considered getting a rescue. So that's uh, that's very interesting. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of times people see like at the pound and things like that and they'll go, oh, this dog's name is Trixie. And it's like, this dog has not been called Trixie its whole life. <laughs> yeah. Okay? No. They, they're slapping a name on it because it makes it seem more endearing than like, here's no name and here's no name. And it's probably maybe a trigger for them too when they don't hear their mm-hmm. old name. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. that's very interesting. So that that is a big thing that they do. Um, and another big thing that they do, because he's just going by the cult checklist, uh, he began rationing their food. Mm-hmm. On one occasion when Maurice Garnier ate two extra pancakes at breakfast, Theralt punched her in the stomach so hard she broke two ribs. She was pregnant at the time. Mm. Yeah. Even through the violence, Theralt's followers be- were becoming more and more devout than ever. In one letter to her sweet Moses, a follower named Francine wrote, quote, Hello, Poppy. I am writing about what you said on the subject of nutrition. It is very true that I nibble, a damnable fault, which I will never again repeat. The thought of ingesting such a large quantity of food in so little time discourages me, even if I work outside in the entire day without eating. I ask that you forgive me. If I, it is stealing, I did not realize it. It is this fault which causes my plumpness. I do not want to be a fat and plump servant. That is too ugly next to the man that you are. I don't know what to think about everything and the meaning of my actions. I only know that I will not repeat them, and I don't speak lightly. I wish to be a true servant to you, my master, alert, vigorous, with a clear and lively spirit, to serve you every moment of my life. I have a long way to go. Thank you, Bobby. I love you. Olga. So... Olga, because she changed her name, obviously. Right. Yeah, so you can see how devout they are to him. And mm-hmm. I think a big thing, they're terrified to upset him in, in some way because of the impending doom and that he's God's chosen one, basically. Mm-hmm. But February 17th, 1979 came, and it went, and nothing happens. <laughs> Some of his followers became skeptical. Theralt explained that he misunderstood the date because God's time did not move in the same as our mortal time, obviously. I mean, easy mistake, easy mistake. Oh, God, I do that all the time. Sometimes you forget to carry the one in God's time and, you know, a seven becomes a nine and it's actually, you know, 97, February 9th. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's a math thing. It's just, it could happen to anybody. Well, I mean, it's God's time. It's hard to grasp with our tiny monkey brains, but... For sure. (laughs) Still, one follower left and another, Maurice Gernier, who never liked Moses much in the first place, talked of leaving. In response, Theralt told her husband Jacques Guillot to cut her toe off with an axe, and he did. Mm. Yeah... Yeah. I don't think I've ever made that sound before, but I think it was accurate. <laughs> that was an appropriate sound for that. Uh, yeah. What happened there? Things aren't great at this stage. <laughs> Around this time, the concerned parent of one of the members got a court order for their daughter to undergo a psych evaluation. Police arrived at the compound to fetch her, but Theralt used his charm to convince them to leave without her. Still, the police began to watch the compound closely and, afraid he was abusing the women at his compound, arrested him for obstruction of justice and forced him into a psych evaluation. Theralt did not only pass his evaluation, but he convinced the director of the hospital to refer to him as Moses and release him back to his followers. And this kind of goes to show how manipulative Theralt was. And to his followers, 
his release was proof that he truly was a man of God. Before the podcast, you and I were talking about police and negligence and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think this is definitely a case of medical negligence. If like the police obviously did what they were supposed to do, they said they needed to go in. They, he convinced them to go away, which maybe not the best thing, but they stuck around and then they did eventually arrest him. So they did mm-hmm. what they could, gave him to the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Now nah, you're good. You're good, B. Go back. <laughs> I mean, Moses, you're good, Moses. Go back. Right? That's staggering to me that he was able to convince, you know, somebody who was trained to work with psychologically challenging people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it also depends, like, what were they evaluating? Because mm. if it was like his, he might have been mentally, like, Maybe I don't know what do what do you call it? You're the professional, but um, <laughs> he might have been like like mentally like it depends on what they were looking for, right? If they were looking for maybe mm-hmm. like like a psychopath or a sociopath, maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't quite those things. Or well, there are definitely tendencies there. Right, there are definitely tendencies, you know. And if you go through the the uh, hair checklist um, for psychopathic traits, he's he's pretty. He's, hit, he's hitting a lot of the check marks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like falling out of the psychopathy tree and hitting every branch Oof. all the way down. Like he's, it's, it's scary. But, you know, like you were kind of alluding to, I think, if, and correct me if I'm wrong here, um, but basically the difference between him having like a psychological disorder versus like a personality disorder right that's what i was trying to say thank you yeah. for clarifying okay. it for me. yeah 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 yeah. no problem no problem so that would be the difference between for instance um you know borderline personality disorder versus like bipolar disorder right yeah it's personality disorders aren't based on actual distress they're something that people kind of um they can be distressing, but right. it's not the same type of, of situation. Gotcha. So it is potential, like could have potentially been looking for the wrong thing maybe, or he, could have been. he lied to them maybe. I mean, it's the 1970s, early 80s. I, I don't know mm-hmm. how great their technology, like their evaluations were back then, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Um, we've, we've developed a lot better understanding, but they weren't bad at that time um at least with things like psychopathy and sociopathy you know they knew the difference between somebody who is you know meets the legal criteria of sanity right versus insanity and in in this case you can look at somebody like him and just think he's he's incredibly manipulative and he's absolutely a narcissist of a malignant fashion Mm -hmm. right because they're narcissists who are just kind of windbags or just kind of full of themselves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but when it turns to like a social malignancy, that's that's something that you're gonna find in psychopathy. And I think he's pretty textbook as far as I can tell. I mean, I, I'm I'm a theorist, I'm not a, a clinician. Yeah. Right, so right. yeah. So I can't uh, diagnose him, but I, I can say with the work and the research I've done it would not be shocking to me. <laughs> it, 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 it checks all the boxes, but you can't officially uh-huh. check those boxes. That's fair. Right. So so right. you're thinking it might have been more negligence than a misdiagnosis? 
I think I think it was a matter of just his ability to manipulate. I mean, to some right. extent, you know, you have to look at this, you know, in terms of kind of a Harley Quinn situation, right? Fair. Yeah. She fell in love with the Joker. Why? Well, because he was able to manipulate her so fully mm-hmm. you know he could do that with just about anybody and it's not people think of it in terms of like stockholm syndrome and it's not it's not the same thing but there's also a component of um kind of i'm trying to think what the word would be but an attraction to certain types risk-taking individuals um okay. that would be kind of a low-grade hybristophilia so people who are uh, attracted to those who have known crimes or violent offenses. So the people that should not be <laughs> uh, evaluating them. <laughs> right, right. You know, and so, I don't know, I just think it's really strange, but it's it's very similar to like serial killers being in prison and women writing to them, claiming they love them, you know. Yes. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't... Mm, if. Mm, you probably don't want to date Richard Ramirez. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. yeah. If you're a woman, <laughs> he's pretty, well, I mean, if you're a person, he can be pretty dangerous. But like yeah. as a woman, I just don't think that's a situation I'd want to be in, you know? Interestingly, though, just on that note, and I'm sorry I'm derailing things, but that's okay. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> on an interesting note, I have a friend, Chris Dewitt, who has a true crime podcast, Criminal Perspective. And uh, he has been known to say that of all the people that he has written to, including Ramirez, Ramirez is like the most boring. Really? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Which I find entertaining. Yeah. I also know, I also roughly know his penis size. Okay. Well, uh, Richard Ramirez is not my friend, Chris. We're not <laughs> friends like that. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. <laughs> it was part of a study, okay? Okay, okay. Only information you're releasing to your Patreons. That's, that's, keep that behind. Yeah, uh, I, I actually do have a spreadsheet. Okay, wow. I have there a spreadsheet. Yep. So if you want to know. Yep. <laughs> I got tired of people talking about little penis syndrome and how that's the reason <laughs> why men are aggressive. And I was like, I don't think that's the case. So I'm going to get as much information as I can. Yep. There you go. Good for you. Good for you for that study. Yeah. That is a study that is both good for men and women. That's what. Exactly. <laughs> Where were we? Cultiness. Right. The alt gets uh, released and convinces mm-hmm. his doctor to call him Moses, and his followers now believe he is uh, truly a man of God because he's convinced outsiders that he's Moses as well. Right. Shortly after his release, a patient who had been in the hospital with the alt. Guy Veer asked if he could join the communion. Thialt agreed to let him join as a slave and forced him to sleep in a storage shed and eat only one meal a day. It was also Veer's job to babysit the children of the compound who were not fathered by Thialt. These children were considered animals and adults, even their parents, were not allowed to speak to them. (sighs) Yeah. And it's at this point I have to like red light flashing like this is a trigger warning because it gets like it for the next th- mm. two pages is just list after list of mm-hmm. terrible terrible things he does to these people and um once again ariel you cannot leave you cannot ma- mute me no <laughs> we have to go through this uh, i'm sure you're used to it with uh, your well, podcast it doesn't make it fun but yeah no. i can stomach it 
Yeah, that's fair. So I'll put a timestamp to skip all this. One night, one of these children, the two-year-old of Mary Screenier, kept Veer awake with his crying. In response, Veer lifted the child by his throat and punched him repeatedly in the face. Theralt found the child the next morning with his head flopping around and his penis swollen. He punctured the toddler's penis with a pair of scissors to try and reduce the swelling. The child died the next morning. Mm. Yeah, so... I mean, Veer seems like not a great guy either. Um, And I don't know if it's because he was put in the situation where he was not eating and forced to take care of children all day and all night, uh, which would probably drive anyone crazy, to be fair. But... To be fair. Theralt instructed one of his followers to burn the child, and life continued as normal on the compound for about six months. One day, though, Theralt was angry at Veer for disobeying him and decided it was time for the slave to be punished for hurting the toddler months before. So he's like, hey, I know you did this terrible thing six months ago. You're going to pay for it now. That's how that works, right? Right. Um, so, you know, the obvious punishment. He castrated him on the kitchen table after convincing Veer to sign a written consent for the operation. Mm. This is kind of where he starts going a little bit ballistic and more violent and much more sadistic and I apologize for everything I am about to say but following the castration Theralt began to beat Veer and encouraged his followers to stab him in the chest with knives. Veer escaped to a nearby village and told villagers that a baby was killed at the compound after being kicked by a horse so he lied to the villagers but I mean I mean can I don't know like I can't blame him at this point it's he was the one who did the thing to the kid, but mm. he's also a victim in a way. It's hard to like, I don't know. It's hard to say like, you know what I mean? That's the hard thing though, is that you can be a victim and a perpetrator at the same time. Right. And a lot of these people are in the in the cult mm-hmm. and I will continue because it's not getting better. But uh, <laughs> the police raided the compound and found the child's remains as well as a letter of consent for Veer's castration. They arrested everyone on the compound but members were only sentenced up to six months in prison, which is wild. Yeah. Upon their release, they set out again for the wilderness, but this time to the rivers outside of Victoria County, Ontario, where no one had ever heard of them. They got to work building a new set of cabins, and Theralt nicknamed them the Anthill Kids. Mm. So here's where the the cult name, you know, it's finally coming. Before, they didn't really have a name. They were just kind of... uh, people <laughs> I don't know uniform yeah so this is the final check mark on the, right. <laughs> the cult list we got a name so he named them that because they worked so hard together just like a family of ants it was then the abuse became even more severe Theralt officially married every one of the female followers except for Maurice Gernier who he considered to be one of the lowest members of his group even beneath the slaves she was sent to live in an isolated shed far away from the rest of the family and Theralt convinced her husband, Jacques, to beat her regularly, even though she was pregnant. Jacques's a piece of shit, I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him. Um, this, to me, is just absolutely insane. They have this cult, they have this, like, he marries all the women, mm-hmm. and then there's just the one. Right. That he's like, nah, not you. It's kind of like the Roman Empire, like, spreading all the way up and, like, building a wall at Scotland. <laughs> You know what I'm I saying? love that like, analogy. They're like, uh, we'll take everything else, what? but nah, I don't. I don't want. It. No, we don't want it. <laughs> Fuck we don't you, want Scotland. It. It's 
<laughs> I did not think Scotland would come into this episode, so that is good on you. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you guys look funny with your kilts. We'll leave you guys over there. <laughs> right. God. Um, <laughs> Sorry. We have to lighten it up somehow. Right. Theralt was getting bored with his followers and his easy life in the woods, so he came up with new ways to entertain himself. He forced his wives to wrestle naked with each other. He forced them to beat male members of the groups while he watched. And sometimes he would join the wrestling matches, but take food rations from anyone who dared hit him. He's kind of a pussy. I'll say it. He's <laughs> fucking... What Look, a bitch. hot take, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. What a bitch. <laughs> Fight your fights. <laughs> his drunken abuse was becoming even more sadistic and constant. He started whipping his followers, beating them with the broadside of an axe, and hitting them with his hammer. He also urinated on them and forced them to for perform oral sex on each other and rub their feces on each other. Yeah. I'm surprised more of them didn't get, like, diseases, you know what I mean? Right? Like They're right. in the middle of nowhere. I don't understand. Like, why do that? Because you're having sex with them. Why, why rub their feces on themselves? Right. And I mean, they don't have soap. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> and that's like a recipe for pink eye. I can almost guarantee you pink eye was a wild, <laughs> was running wild in this. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't, per, like personally, I don't understand, like if putting myself in this, in this scenario sure. where I am the leader of these, these people and I am having sex with 75% of them because they're, a lot of them are women. Right. Why would I? make them smell worse or potentially have diseases and shit because I'm going to have sex with them. Well, I mean, unfortunately, there is a paraphilic reason why that could be. Uh, he may just be into, you know, the scatological size of, side of things. That's true. So, you know, if shit turns him on, then... <laughs> then <the> shit, <laughs> shit turns him on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> No judgment Woof. for those people, as long as it's consensual, but... Uh, Listen, yeah, I'm not here to yuck your yum. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean I want to do it. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, no. go with your bad self, as long as it's consensual. I guess it's a, it's a power thing, right? I guess that's what mm -hmm. it is, essentially. It's I can make them do literally whatever I want, and they'll do it. Oh, and yeah. He's pushing those Definitely, boundaries yeah. further and further. Because it goes even further, he forced his followers to eat feces and dead mice. Yeah. I'm so grossed out. And literally Fuck. for the next uh for the for the next page here, it's just gonna be lists of things he made them do. Here we go. This'll be exciting. I wish I had a sponsor for this segment, but <laughs> <laughs> Are you tired of going to the store to get stamps? <laughs> Pampers sponsor. <laughs> oh god. Don't sue me, Pampers, please. No, no. He punished the men by tying elastic bands around their scrotum for hours. He punched one follower in the neck so hard that she passed out. He burned his followers acetane torches until their skin bubbled, even when they were pregnant. I'm just going to keep running through this and we will yeah. talk about it all after. He beat one pregnant wife so badly that she miscarried. He shot the same wife with a bullet through the shoulder. He had his wife break one of the male's followers' toes with a sledgehammer. He squeezed his wife's nipples so hard that they bled. He hogtied a male discipline upside down from the ceiling for an hour. 
He poured boiling water on the same follower, and on another occasion, he made him sit on a burning stove. Oh, God, it does not get better. It gets worse, actually. Um, <sighs> this is probably the most disgusting one. One time, you can maybe mute me. <laughs> one time a follower's uterus prolapsed. Theralt tried to punch it back up inside through her vagina and fashioned a wooden cone and thrust to plug it up. When that didn't work, he tied a piece of string around the exposed portion of the uterus and yanked at it. God. Yeah, that was hard to get through. Um, That's so bad. Uh, this is like literally the worst person on earth. Like, It doesn't get much worse. When he sobered up after a night of abuse, he would put on a public show of crying and begging God to stop using him as a vehicle for violence. So mm. he's now like, God's making me do this because... Right. Yeah, why, why not blame God for everything? Right, exactly. He's, he's not owning any of this no. in terms of his, his culpability or responsibility for it. No, I mean, if you think about it, that's all he's been doing his whole life was just using God as an excuse. Like, as soon as he lost his job and his wife and kid, he was like, oh, I'm turning to God. Like, God must have done this to me. And Right. That's kind of how he's been living his life. Mm -hmm. He started beating the children, too. There was a five-month-old on the compound who he believed to be the devil's baby. He beat the child so regularly that one follower, Gabrielle, the nurse for the compound, placed the baby in a wheelbarrow in the snow to freeze to death, believing ending the baby's life would free it from the life of abuse. Uh, after the infant's death, which was ruled as a SID by the coroner, who happened to be a friend of Thoralt's, Children's Aid Society kept a careful eye on the compound, which, I mean, I don't know why they weren't before, but anyway. Right. This is the, the neglect I, I talked about later, earlier. Right. A year into this new life, Thoralt finally allowed Maurice to leave the communion on one condition. She must give her oldest daughter, who was 12 or 13, to Thoralt to marry. And she agreed. And it's hard to blame her for doing this because she was in such a tough situation that it's like, mm -hmm. it's hard to say what you would do in that situation. Like, yeah. if you were years and years and years of abuse and there's a way out and you saw the light and had to give up your child, it would probably be the toughest decision you'd ever have to make. But Oh, absolutely. There's... No way of saying you wouldn't make it. And I mean, yeah, it's tough. Away from the compound, alas, Maurice took legal action to regain custody of her daughter. She testified to the police about the level of abuse in the compound. In response, CAS conducted a sweep and took the children to foster homes. Safe at last, the children told the courts just how severely they suffered. Theralt would sometimes hold children over fire pits and force their mothers to beg for their lives. He also nailed kids to trees by their clothes and told the other children to throw stones at them. In sacrifices for God, Thoralt would get naked and bathe in goat's blood in front of the kids. Mm. Worst of all, the children were regularly raped and molested by members of the communion, sometimes in groups with every adult present. Oh, goodness. We are very you close know, to the is, end. It's so... Mm, it makes me so angry. Like, there's... Yeah. It's bad enough what he was doing to these adults. Yeah. You know, but you. Mm. Which is a big thing. I get, I get very like angry at, uh, at the people in the, like the followers of these cults who have kids and then just like, uh, but allow yeah. this stuff to happen to their own kids. Like, right. I'm not even a father yet. And I would be, I already feel like irate. Like if someone even tried anything like to my kid, I would. Oh, yeah. I'd probably kill them. I'd be on one of your episodes. I would go. Well, I, you know, I've, I've told people, though, that, you know, depending on 
the crime and the circumstances and things, you know, I don't condone violence, but I get it in some cases. It's an instinct, right? Like it's. Yeah. Like if, if somebody were to do something like that to my daughter, I can't say definitively that I wouldn't fucking kill somebody. Yeah. And I mean, I would happily do the time if that was the case. Yeah. (laughs) I think a lot of people would. And I mean, this is awful, obviously. Everything in this yes. is awful. But yes. these these adults consented to coming to the the the, the cult. These children mm-hmm. didn't. They obviously didn't have a choice. And that's what's sad about it. And there are tons and tons of cults that kids grow up in and don't have a choice in the matter and get punished for it or punished for their right. their parents' choices, which is Right. And I mean, how do we look at them as adults and say that you know like they ever had a shot of right not being dysfunctional in some way you know this is they're being socialized to be violent yeah, well that's all they know right that's, that's all they've grown yeah, up it's knowing. Being normalized yeah you know so the sexual um sexual abuse sexual violence plus physical aggression and physical violence that's that's their normal that's what they're being raised with that's a lot to have to try to unravel yeah. Once they become adults. It, it It is. And just the burden of carrying that every day would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we will try and get to the end of this. Uh, <laughs> it is very hard. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. This is a, a tough one. Um, mm. It was fall of 1988 when Solange Bullard complained of a stomach ache and choked to death on her blood following a botched operation. Mm. Theralt decided to kill himself following Bullard's death. He tried overdosing on Tylenol and drowning himself. Finally, after claiming that God did not want him to die, he told his followers that Bulliard's spirit was living inside his body. He decided that he was pregnant with her ghost and would need to have a spiritual rebirth. So there's that fucking logic for you. Okay, your <clears throat> your listeners can't see, but if you were to describe the look on my face <laughs> as you were telling me that. <laughs> 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 uh, dismay and bewilderment would be the closest uh, I could get to. <laughs> that's that's pretty close, yeah. Pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. He ordered a male disciple to exhume her corpse from the ground and forced one of his wives to pour vinegar into her organs. Then he convinced Jacques to drill a hole into her skull so that Thralt could have sex with it. Blech. Let's have some fun with this because it is very dark and I want to try yep. and make this some light. <laughs> Why do you think he tried to have sex with her skull? We'll do a Jeopardy thing here. Do, do, do. <laughs> Why do I think he wanted to have sex with her skull? Yes. Gives another uh, meaning to giving head. Whoa. That was a terrible pun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Um, uh. No, I think uh, yeah, it, it's definitely suggestive of him being a necrophiliac. What do you think his reasoning was? Why did he tell people he was doing it? Because he could, yeah, you're right. He, his personal thing could be like, oh yeah, I want to fuck a dead I want to fuck her skull. Yeah. I fucked everyone living. Why not try a dead? <laughs> the taboos are running out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's, he's getting to the end. I don't know what else he could do. <laughs> right. How does he take it next level again? Uh, so why was he telling people? Um, yeah that his seed could be planted in her mind. I don't okay. know. Okay. 
You are not far off, which is sad. Uh, Sick. <laughs> he believed that when his semen entered her rotting brain, it would resurrect her. That's it. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pretty so gross. <laughs> of course, this plan was not successful uh, because anyone who's taken any sort of biology would know that. <laughs> he took a rib to keep as a reminder of his dead wife. Then he had his followers burn her body. After that night, his alcoholism reached a new level, and with it, his craving for violence and destruction. One night, he instructed Gabrielle to place her hand on the kitchen table before he stabbed it with a hunting knife, pinning her to the table. He left her there for 45 minutes so he could finish his pack of beer. When he returned, blood had gushed into the floor and Gabriel's arm was blue. He decided it was time for surgery. Oh, what he is whittled. it with this guy in surgery? Well, he, yeah, he, I don't know. Because, yeah, he starts the clinic, and that's kind of been his whole shtick, I guess, even though he was kicked out for yeah. ter a terrible practice of a clinic. I, I, I don't know. He's kind of just against medicine and science. Yeah, the jury's still out on science. He would do well on Facebook, I think. Probably. <laughs> yeah, that's the right, the right social platform for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> So he began to whittle her arm away, all the way to the bone, before forcing another wife to continue the cutting for him. When she didn't make much progress, he chopped it off completely with a meat cleaver. A few days later, he whacked Gabriel on the head, or Ga Gabrielle on the head with the side of his axe before cutting a chunk of her breast out. I, I cannot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that was enough for Gabrielle. Because she escaped and made it to the hospital where she gave the doctors a fake story about what happened. They were obviously not convinced and headed straight to the compound, but found it abandoned. Theralt and most of his devout followers, only three remaining, had fled to Quebec. The remaining followers had escaped to their families. So we're kind of getting to the end here, you know. He's got the three people following. I believe it's Jacques. And Jacques, Chantel, and Nicole were the last ones to follow him. Obviously Jacques being a piece of shit. Six weeks later, police found Theralt and his three remaining members in hiding. They were arrested for Gabrielle's mutilation. Theralt was sentenced to 12 years, which was reduced to 10 for good behavior. Jacques was sentenced to five years, his wife Chantelle to two, and his wife Nicole to 18 months. Soon, though, police discovered what had happened to Bouliard. They charged Theralt with second-degree murder and sentenced him to life in prison. Whew. So. It doesn't seem right. Like the second degree murder, him being right. sentenced for that. Like it, it just with as horrible as he was to all of these people, it just doesn't seem like enough. Yeah, I mean, I am happy that he wasn't able to kill himself before oh, he was God, able to yeah. be punished. You know what I mean? As happy as, as, as happy is not maybe the right word, but like it's satisfying to know that he got some sort of recompense. I guess you know what I mean. Right. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, if I was the jury, I'd be like, no, we're going to actually strap him naked to a horse and just tow him for the whole length of Canada. Let's just take him the whole way. <laughs> yeah. Whole fucking thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably what he deserves. Yeah. I really, I would really be all about, you know, like disemboweling. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's weird to me that like some guy who sold marijuana and got caught is like five years and this dude's like. You know, you know what I mean? Like the comparables are not the same. No, no. I mean, it's uh, just blows my mind. 
You yeah. Know? He is so unbelievably sadistic. Very much so. Very much so. In 2011, Thrault was found dead outside of his cell. It is believed that he was killed in an altercation with a cellmate. His most devout followers never let go of their love for him. Those who left the cult attempted to live normal lives. The 20 or so kids who were born on the compound grew up in foster care homes across the country. Years after Thrault was sentenced to life in prison, Gabrielle Lavallee reflected on her experience at the compound in an interview. She explained, quote, If you ever meet a man who promised you heaven on earth, and you think you'll live the most beautiful life, and that you'll reach nirvana on earth, and you say to yourself, it's impossible, it's too good to be true. Well, yeah. It's scary to think just how much a person will sacrifice for a promise of something better to come. Unquote. And that is the story of the Anthill Kids. God, Gabrielle had it bad. Yeah. I mean, they all had it bad. Oh, except yeah. Except for Jacques. Fuck Jacques. Fuck that guy sucks. Jacques. <laughs> I know Jeez we're not liquor. supposed to. Yeah, I know we're not supposed to, you know, bash on the followers, but that guy was kind of oh, a piece of shit. Oh, he was trash. He dragged, dragged his <laughs> wife into it and then, like, just all terrible things he did with, with Rock. Right. All right, Ariel, it is time for my favorite segment of the podcast because it is the least gory and gross <laughs> cult critique. The segment where my guests and I give each episode's cult a rating out of five stars and give comments as if we were rating a con- like something on Yelp. Mm-hmm. I then go into Yelp and add the reviews. And uh, <laughs> does that I sound love good? It so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So to start things off, what would you give the Anthill Kids uh, out of five stars? Oh, that's and I haven't tough. decided whether like five is good or five is bad. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's kind of where I am on it. Is like you can decide. You can decide which is good and which is bad. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna say, well, shit. Like the most interesting, <laughs> I guess. Like you know, but then again, there there's you know there's some staples in the whole cult thing that maybe are not as as interesting in some ways but another you know what i'm fucking talking in circles <laughs> um i'm gonna say i'm gonna give it a good solid i think i've got a five out of five damn that's yeah. a solid i mean yeah. this this it's okay so i, I feel kind of like stefan from snl you know this cult <laughs> has everything <laughs> <laughs> but i mean really it's impression. like thank you (laughs) i don't do many impressions but i i really i work very hard on the ones that i do so (laughs) but yeah it's it's got from the get-go they've got they've got uniforms right they've got poop and sex together they've got uh you know they've They've got weird living in the woods shit. They've got like yep. a, a compound. They've they got, got a name. They got a name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a creative name, really. It is very creative. Yeah. I mean, points, points for that. Yeah. You know, as far as things go, names go. They've got this uh, they got their charismatic poppy. leader, yeah. obviously. Yeah. They got that poppy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, poppy. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what Rock looks like. Uh he, Oh, God. He looks like. Uh, you know, Rasputin from <laughs> like those fairy tale stories. Yeah. He's just, he's just like a bearded man. No hair on the top of his head, really. He's like a creepy Santa without the white beard. I would go with that, maybe. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I found it. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, he's a, a poppy, but not really a daddy. You know what I'm saying. There you go. Yep. I knew we were gonna get to. <laughs> Do you feel good about that joke? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I could oh, not God. say it. Oh, you had to. You had to. I think I agree with your assessment. I think I was going four or five stars because, yeah, they definitely literally checking off the box of what a cult is. Like Mm -hmm. they last a pretty long time out in the woods and they move around a lot. Yeah. It's it's pretty like if you want to make a cult, this is like. Right. I don't want to tell people to follow this. Don't follow. Don't make a cult. Don't do it. (laughs) But uh, this would be the, the outline. It's it's really kind of exciting in that oh god exciting did I just use that word anyway <laughs> I'm going to hell probably not for cults that, do though. weird things to not people yeah they do <laughs> uh, including the people talking about them so I think though that this one the reason that it's so appealing to study or to look into is because it is extra as fuck yeah right very like, much so <laughs> it's like here's that's your a good way cult. to describe it. And mm-hmm. let's just like dial it up to like eleven. It might be the most violent cult I ever talk about, to be honest. Oh, like yeah. physically violent and like Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I can't think of many other ones that would be on this level. Mm-mm. Unless Tom Cruise is doing something secret in there. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think yeah, five stars. I think is it's a solid fundamental like this is the blueprint for a cult. That's kinda Yep. It's a terrible, terrible cult. Mm-hmm. So five stars for being awful. Then we'll go with yeah. <laughs> the fucking worst. The fucking worst. That's a great <laughs> way to end this. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Ariel, please tell the people about Malice and where they can find it. Sure. Okay. So my podcast, Malice, is uh, basically taking a dive into the psychological, sociological, neurobiological, environmental development, trauma, all of these different factors that come together to create violent defenders. And like I mentioned earlier, whether that's, you know, physical violence or ideological violence, right? you know, there are different kinds that exist. So you can find me on literally every platform. Uh, some I've never even heard of. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was told the other day that uh, I had a comment on some platform or some site and I was like I don't even know what that is so that's cool (laughs) um yeah and then uh I have a patreon you can look up malice pod uh don't go to malice don't go to malice podcast you'll find both they're not mine so if you want to support my don't listen to them don't listen to those people (laughs) yeah exactly I mean, you can do what you want, but... No, don't do it. I, I, you want my stuff is what I'm telling you. Why would you waste your time? I don't know. Exactly. So on <laughs> Patreon, um, you get one bonus episode a month. Right now, we are in the midst of working with Dr. Lee Meller on a series where we're covering the Werewolf of Los Angeles murder Ooh. murder series that begins with the Black Dahlia. Very cool. So, yeah. That'll wrap up on January 15th of 2022. We're covering one murder a month. And the 15th 
in 2022 is actually the 75th anniversary of the murder oh, of wow. Black Dahlia. Yep. Very cool. So if you're looking for tons of content, then definitely go to Malice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but huge library. What were you saying? Over 150 episodes or something like that? 100 mm-hmm. and... At last count, I think it was 152 or 153, wow. something like that. So if you're really bored and locked down, <laughs> definitely go check check Malice's <laughs> podcast out. It's incredible right. listen and like definitely very intriguing uh Thank you so much. If you are loving this podcast, be sure to give us a review and tell your friends about it. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at let's underscore cult. You can follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's start a cult pod, or you can go to let's start a cult podcast.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you, Fred, for listening. And thank you, Ariel, again, for coming on today. We will see you next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.